Good to have everybody. Now, I know that in a group like this have got up and come to church that you all are Bible readers. And uh, I want you to think about all the different places you've read in the Bible where our God has done some big, big things. I mean, miraculous things. And you can start just with the first verse, you know, when he starts talking about the creation process. And then, then of course, we got the flood. We got things like Daniel and Lion's Den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you know, the splitting of the Red Sea and all that kind of stuff. Just good stuff. By the way, I just read last week that after uh, the whole deal with the Red Sea, Moses could work no more miracles with the staff. I didn't know that. But he kept it anyway because he just couldn't part with it. Good morning. Hey, by the way, speaking of miracles, you know what the difference is between ordinary dirt and miracle grow? Not mulch. Listen, we are celebrating our 40 days of prayer challenge here, and I'm already hearing some stories. I hope you're praying with us every night at 6.30. We have at least two ladies that have not missed one night here at church. That's powerful too. And, you know, Monday through Wednesday, we have quite a few people here because we have small groups and we got Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, The weekend's a little more intimate, but there's power at the altar. We'd love for you to join us anytime you can, but please keep praying with us every night at 630. There's some already some major things happening in people's lives and, and in this church, and I think we've seen nothing yet. But if I were to ask you, what is the single biggest motivator for prayer, what would be your answer? Now, somebody said answered prayer, for sure. You, you pray and ask God for something, and He gives it to you, and it's like, wow, that's amazing. You're, you're asking for some kind of direction. You know, you, you, you don't know whether to do this or that, and you ask God, and, and you open up your devotions or the Bible, and it's like God just answers it crystal clear. It's like, wow, that's neat. Or you got somebody in your family that's sick, you pray for them to get healed. Or you got somebody in your family that's wandered away from God, you pray for them, they come back. That's a spiritual, uh, that's what I'm talking about moment right there. Or, or maybe you're just anxious about things, because there's lots of things to be anxious about right now. So you're praying and ask God to give you that peace He talks about in Philippians 4, 7. And what do you know? You get this peace that passes understanding. I mean, when those kind of things happen when you pray, it's like, I'm going to pray some more. So answered prayer is the biggest or one of the biggest motivators for prayer. So let's go to the other side and ask the question, what's the biggest demotivator? Is that even a word? I don't know. What's the one thing that keeps us from praying? Sure, when we seem to get no answers when we pray. You know, somebody's lonely, a girl or a guy, and the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. So you're praying, would you send me a Christian mate? I'm tired of being by myself, but so far you've not found anybody. Or you've got this depression thing you're working with or some kind of other sickness or illness, and you pray for healing and you don't get any. Somebody at work or at home or at school has really seriously wrecked you, and you're praying for justice to prevail, but so far there's been no justice. And I could go on and on, but I don't need to because we've all been there too. And when that happens, if we're not careful and we don't talk about it once in a while, which we get to do because we're in this whole prayer session, if we don't talk about it and think through it, that can cripple your prayer life. It can cripple your faith. I have a book in my library that I've been over and over and over again the last 20 years or so. It's from Bill Hybels. It's called 
too busy not to pray. And this book talks about the power of prayer and some of the pain in prayer. It's a good book, and if you can get it, I highly recommend it. I don't know if it's still in print. You can probably find a used one. But I hope one of these days, maybe the next time we do this prayer challenge, I'll walk through this book. But today, uh, I'd just like to talk about some of the things that seem to go wrong when we pray and maybe some possible God responses to our prayers. And here's the first one. Sometimes when we pray, what we're asking for is not really a good thing. And in those occasions, God just says, no. Are we asking him? And he says, no. Now, the Bible is full of people who ask God for something, and he said no to. And fortunately, most of the time, we're, we're told why, so we can learn from it. An example is in Luke chapter 9, when Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus. What a powerful story this is. And they get a sneak preview of his divinity. And, and, and they look, and they see uh, Moses and Elijah stand on either side of Jesus. And, and uh, Peter just gets all excited. And he says, uh, Lord, why don't I, you want me to build three monuments, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah? As if they're all on the same par, you know. Luke said later on that Peter was scared, and he just didn't know what to say. Well, here's an option, Peter, when you don't know what to say. Maybe you shouldn't say anything at all, but that's not Peter. Peter was always talking and then thinking. Anybody else ever put their foot in their mouth? I told him first service, the biggest foot eater that I've ever met is Jackie Goss. I mean, I could tell you story after story after story about Jackie, and I will if you ask me. Uh, she'd probably tell you too, but one time we had, uh, years ago, we had a guy here at church, Jack Reed. I don't know if you remember him or not, but we loved Jack. He had two prosthetic legs, and uh, he had some kind of nerve problem where he shook all the time. He couldn't hold a cup of coffee. He had to drink out of a straw. He couldn't feed himself. We'd go on a retreat, and he had, we'd have to feed him. But he, you know, he didn't care. He was oh, serving God and teaching and all those kind of things. One day, we came into church, and Jackie went up to him and said, Hey, Jack, what's shaking? He said, Everything, Jackie. <laughs> That's Peter, man. He was just always talking and then thinking. And he says to Jesus, Hey, let's put up three monuments. You want me to do that? And Jesus said, No. No, that's not a good request. That's not a good thing to do. And I think sometimes when we pray, we ask God for something that's not the right thing, and He just says no. Another example is in Matthew chapter 20, when James and John's mother, uh, he, they sent his mother to talk to Jesus about getting him a good position in heaven. Remember that? She comes and kneels before Jesus, and he said, what do you want me to do for you? Because that was what Jesus always asked. And she said, I would like for you to let one of my sons sit at your left and one of my sons sit at your right when you get into your kingdom. You remember what Jesus said? He said, no. No, that's not how the kingdom of God works. You don't get promoted in the kingdom of God. You don't change, uh, climb the ladder in the kingdom of God. The answer is no. One time they went to Samaria and they didn't get welcomed there. And the reason is obvious. The Samaritans hated the Jews and the Jews hated the Samaritans. Eric Gilpin was just teaching us all about that a couple of Wednesday nights ago. And you can read about that in Luke chapter 9 too. The short version is when they got unwelcomed, James and John said in verse uh, 54, Lord, would you like us at this time to call down fire from heaven and burn these people up? As if they could do that anyway. And Jesus must have said, are you kidding me? No, thanks, but no. And the point is, sometimes we ask God for something, and it's just a wrong thing, and He'll say no, and we ought to be glad He does. Moses, Jeremiah, Elijah, and Jonah, all of those guys and several others got so depressed and so discouraged, they asked God, just take my life, and God said no. Don't you bet when they got to feeling better, they were glad that He didn't answer that prayer? Can't you imagine what a disaster it would be if we got a yes to every time we prayed? 
Because we just talked about this a couple of weeks ago too. Uh, every time we come up with something neat, something powerful, we mess it up. We, we've messed up uh, the power of, of, of language. We've messed up nuclear power. We've, we've, we've messed up you know, everything. Wouldn't it be a disaster if every time we ask something, God said yes? So he doesn't. And anybody who thinks the existence of prayer that gets a no answer is proof that prayer doesn't count has not thought this thing through because God is wise and good. And sometimes he says no. And that also means that, and for some reason we do this in the church, we should never, ever try to use our prayer to manipulate God, to try to get what we want, like it's a magic formula or something. You know, if I just pray in the name of Jesus, he'll say, okay. If I just uh, have enough faith, he'll say, okay. If I could get two or three people to agree with me, you know, we could get it that way. If I could name it and claim it, that kind of deal. Our, Our prayer is not a magic formula. Our prayer is a conversation with a God in heaven who loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he always knows the right thing to do. And sometimes we ask him, he says, no, that's not good. And we ought to be glad that he does. Other times, what we're asking to God for do for us is not wrong, uh, but the timing's off a little bit. And, and so God doesn't say no, but he might say so. Slow your debts a little bit. And again, the Bible is full of people who ask God for something, and God said, not yet. He didn't say no. He said, not yet. Abraham was decades waiting for his son Isaac to be born. He was 99 years old when his son was born, and they call me Babal, you know. Israel, 40 years they kept asking God, can we go to the promised land? Not yet, not yet, not yet. Moses waited 40 years before he could start his ministry. Joseph was two years in jail. David waited an entire lifetime to get to build a temple and still didn't get to do it. Israel waited century after century for the coming of the Messiah. And my point is, sometimes what we're asking God for is okay, it's just not the right time. And he says, wait. That's why all of us in here resonate with Isaiah 40, 30, that says, those that wait upon the Lord will have their strength renewed. They're sore like wings of eagle. We love that passage, but we don't like to wait. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. We're an instant society. Uh, Philip Zimbardo from Stanford did a study on this, and he said that people actually are getting physically sick these days because of their impatience. We open up the computer, and it takes too long. We, we ask Google a question, and it sends us to a website that we actually have to read instead of answering the question. We text somebody, and they don't text us back, and we get so upset. And that's where we're at right now. We're living, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, too. We have more information at our fingertips than ever before. All the information in human history is right here in the palm of our hands, and we can talk to anybody we want to, any place in the world in real time, and we get foot-stomping mad if it takes 30 seconds for a computer to load up, or if we don't get the answer immediately, or if somebody doesn't answer our text within a timely manner. I'm telling you, one of the biggest character uh, qualities that we can pass on to our kids right now and our grandkids is, is patience because they're not going to learn it anywhere in this society. And we need to teach our kids the ability to tolerate delayed gratification with honor, you know. And, and I told them first service, I'm talking about us papas too. Man, it's hard on us. Our kids want something. Our grandkids want something. We want to give it to them immediately, but that's not good. Peter said it in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 best, when he said, don't forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. God's not slow in keeping his promises, as some consider slowness, but he's patient with us. 
not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. What a good God we serve. And, and we just need to remember, some, simply sometimes we ask, it's just not, the time's not right, and we might have to wait a little bit. And in that waiting time, it's good for us to remember that sometimes what God is doing with us during the wait is a whole lot more important than when we finally get what we're waiting for. He's wanting us to grow up. But we want everything fast. Even if we're praying for patience, we want it today, right now, you know? But time is such a relative thing. I was reading this guy in California. Uh, it was the year before COVID hit. He was running a tennis tournament for super seniors. Can you imagine that? Super seniors. 90 years and older. I didn't even know 90 years old played tennis. I saw in first service, my, my minister who baptized me and mentored me growing up, Mr. Robbins, he passed away two years ago. The year before that, he was 92 and still playing golf. Good golf. He could have taken us. You know, he was good. So I know people do that, but tennis? But anyway, this guy said the super senior tournament, he had a 94-year-old playing a 92-year-old, and the 92-year-old hit this forehand across the net, and the 94-year-old couldn't chase it down, and he just dropped his racket and looked up and said, Oh, to be 92 again. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're in such a hurry that we forget that what we talked about last week, the one thing God wants more than anything else for us is for us to just be still a minute and know that He's God. Just get quiet and spend some time with Him. The stuff that He's working on on the inside of your character and, and, and your wisdom and the things He wants you to do, He's building up inside of you, and He wants you to wait on that. So sometimes it's just slow, and sometimes it's just slow so that we can make those kind of choices, so we can figure it out and grow up. Angie and I graduated Bible college. We had a church in Anderson that was interested in us big time, and we had a church in Wheeling, West Virginia that already offered me the job, and then there was Centerton where we were at. If we took that job, we had to take a full-time job because they didn't have enough to pay me. We didn't know what to do. I prayed. I, I fasted. I begged God. I cried. I didn't get any answers at all. So I talked to my dad about it. He said, if you took that church in Anderson, would you do the best you could? I said, yeah. If you went to Wheeling, West Virginia, would you serve God with everything you got? I said, I sure would. If you stayed home and took care of this church, it would, yeah, then I think God's just telling you to do what you want. And my point is, I never got an answer. I had to choose myself. What I didn't understand for the longest time is that God's main goal for our life is not just the work we do for Him, it's the people we become as we're doing the work for Him. The main thing that God wants out of your life is you. And He wants you to grow up in character. And sometimes when you pray for something, you have to wait so you can grow into it. Now, we as parents and grandparents should know that. We send our kids out in the backyard, and we say, we want you to play in the backyard so we can keep your eye on you, and, and we can protect you. Well, where do you want me to play? You want me to play on the swing set? You want, me to, you want me to play with the dog? You want me to play with the ball? No, you can play with anything you want to. I just want you to stay in the backyard. That's God with us. Stay in my will. Let me protect you. I give you freedom. We, we ought to do that for our kids. We shouldn't choose for our kids what they eat, what they dress, where they go, what they pick for a career, who they marry where they go to college, where they end up uh, living. We should let them learn to, to grow in judgment and wisdom and responsibility. And sometimes God's teaching that for us. We pray and he says, slow down a little bit. I want you to learn. We'd rather have a postcard from heaven to know exactly what he wants me to do. But he wants us to grow up. So sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says slow. And sometimes he says Grow. Something else has to happen first. Anybody in here besides me have times when their prayer just seems to be bouncing off the ceiling? 
You ever have that? Here's a possible explanation from Isaiah 59 verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear you. Wait, what? Your sins have separated your face from God so that He will not hear you. Ouch. That's sobering and clear as a bell. Sometimes God's not hearing our prayers because we have an unresolved sin in our life. That's how come we keep talking about this at South Union Christian Church. We have to rely on and keep preaching the absolute truth of the Word of God. In a society that's not looking at it, we got to do it in a loving way. But we've got to preach the truth of God's Word. I mean, if God asks you, if you ask God, for example, to forgive me, Forgive me for my sins, Lord. I'm, I'm taking communion this morning. Would you forgive me? And yet, you have somebody in your heart right now that you just got something against, man. You can't forgive. What's God's response to that? He's already given it. I'm not going to forgive your sins if you won't forgive men their sins. We say, God, I really need help with this. Well, you need to clean up that lust first. You need to stay off that internet pornography. Then come and talk to me. Lord, I really need some help in this direction. Well, you know what? I'm tired of your gossiping. You're just talking about people all the time. Let's work on that first. Father, I need some help over here. Are you going to listen to me or not? Well, you've got such a critical spirit. You're on that Facebook making judgments all day long. Let's fix that first. How about this one? Proverbs 21, 13. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Father, I'm having a lot of problems here with my finances. The bills are piling up. I need a little help. And God's going to say, how are you doing with your generosity? You've been given? Sometimes it's a slow because there's some things in our life that need to be fixed. Sometimes it's a sin issue. And other times we just need to grow up a little bit and work things out on our own. We say, God, there's a lot of homelessness in Bloomington. We're praying for them. Or, God, there's a lot of... of um, kids in my school that don't know Jesus. Would you, I'm praying for them. Could you do something about that? Or God, there's some people in my family. And God just says, you know what? You do something about that. Let's grow up together on this thing. Sometimes the request is wrong. God says no. Sometimes the timing's off. God says slow. Sometimes there's some issues that need to be fixed and God says grow. And then sometimes, and this is the last one and this one's painful, sometimes there's just silence from heaven and that's just the way it is. I mean, I wish I could explain that to you. I promise if I could, I would. I've looked for years. I was reading last week about a guy that's got an eight-year-old daughter. She was just diagnosed with a debilitating terminal disease. He says, I'm praying earnestly every day. I'm begging God, take this from her. Put it on me, Lord. Take it from her. I'm so mad at him. I'm trying to hold on, but I'm so mad. The biggest, most powerful prayer of my life, and he's not answering me at all. Some of you have been there. Some of you are there right now. And I can't point you to an answer. But I can point you to a person. Because at the very heart of the gospel, there's a man on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane begging God to take this cup from me. If there's any other possible way to get this done than what i got to go through, would you do it? And I think that's the most desperate prayer that's ever been prayed by the most discerning man that ever walked this planet, from the purest heart that ever beat. And what he got from heaven was silence. No answer at all. And the cup was not taken away. And aren't we thankful? 
Somebody wrote, from the unwanted, unmerited suffering came the hope of the world that remade history because the ultimate answer to every human anguish, including the anguish and unanswered prayer, is a sin-stained, blood-soaked cross where God himself suffered. And that's awesome. I don't know the answer why sometimes God says yes and sometimes he says no. But I do know he loves us. He's got our best interests in mind and he always does the best thing. Somebody uh, told me um, just last week, he said, man, you are preaching with lots of urgency. Why? Because I think we're in the urgency. I know that at the cross... Jesus didn't just deal with his pain. He dealt with everybody's pain. That's what we celebrate here. At the cross, he didn't just deal with one sickness. He dealt with all sicknesses. At the cross, he didn't calm just one storm like he did the Sea of Galilee. He calmed all storms, and we just got to trust him. But we are in the urgency. And I'm not silly enough to not know that every generation has thought Christ was coming back. But I tell you, I've never seen a, a time in history, if you read history, where prophecy in the Bible is being fulfilled so quickly. You see it in the media, read it in the news. It's exciting, spooky times to be alive. But even if that's not right, even if that's not the urgency, your life is the urgency. Let me make this clear right up front. John Peterson went home Friday, and he's doing good. And we watched kind of a miracle because a week ago last Friday, Scotty's dad was playing basketball with Grant one minute had a massive heart attack the next. You never know. There's an urgency. Somebody killed on the highway every one minute and 44 seconds. You've got to drive home yet today. So you understand the urgency is just not end times urgency. It's your urgency. I was thinking about Noah. The Bible says it will be just like the days of Noah and the coming of the Son of Man, and there's all kinds of preaching illustrations for that. Maybe someday we'll get to that. But I was thinking about Noah and, and building the ark. Do, do you remember how long it was from the time he got instructions to build? We're not clear when the, when the construction started, but from the time he was told to build the ark until the ark was finished. Anybody remember how long that was? 120 years. He was in the urgency for 120 years building that ark. What an amazing uh, event for him. You know, uh, he was building that ark 368 miles from the nearest body of water, and it never rained before. So I'm sure it was the joke. You know, we see Sea Rock City on the side of the highway. I bet back then you saw see Noah's ark, and people would flock and see what a joke that was, you know, making fun of him, but he preached in the urgency. And then, of course, God loaded everything up, and they shut, God shut the door, shut him in, and then you know what happened? Nothing for seven days. Can you imagine that, being shut up in that ark, expecting something, nothing happened. But they never gave up. They trusted God. They stayed in the urgency. And then, of course, it started to rain, a little at first, and then hard, and they'd never seen rain before. And the Bible says that God caused the water to come from the ground. So we got water coming up, we got water coming down. And people on the outside of the ark then understood, oh my God, it's real. But it was too late. People on the inside of the ark were thinking, oh my God, it's real. I want to know what side of the door you're on this morning. I'm going to preach with urgency. Today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time. And if you're in this building and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the door is going to be shut pretty soon. Don't you go home today without coming up here and talking to me. The rest of us, what a privilege we have in prayer.
the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, a table set before you where you're the honored guest. Don't waste this time. We'll spend it with Jesus.